Hi, folks. Keith Jones for Front Row Knowles. We appreciate your listening to our podcasts and all the things that uh, go into what we do in terms of watching Florida State Athletics. But we would remind you that part of Florida State Athletics is certainly Seminole Boosters. Uh, athletics can't do what they do without the support of you and without the support of Seminole Boosters. So we encourage you, if you're not already a member, consider joining Seminole Boosters. If you are a member, consider increasing your participation. Without Seminole Boosters, Florida State Athletics is going to be run of the mill. With Seminole Boosters, Florida State can work their way towards elite. And oh, by the way, they're doing pretty good on the football field. They're doing pretty good on the pitch for soccer. Uh, and they're uh, getting ready to do good on both the men and women's side on the hardwood. Join Seminole Boosters, support Seminole Boosters, and continue to support Front Row Knowles. Go Knowles! Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Tom Block and Keith Jones with you. This is Front Row Knowles. KJ, it is uh, it's good to see you, but it's good to be with you. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Trying to figure out exactly where my emotions are uh, come Saturday at 630. Uh, this, this is not a trap game. Uh, this is not a sabotage game. It's certainly not a game that Florida State uh, should lose, but should Florida State struggle, uh, getting towards the end and uh, the, the the percentage of your uh, uh, thought process, the, at least the thought process of the playoff committee uh, relative to how things look, how do you play this one as a coaching staff? Uh, how do you, how do you attack this game and, and what is your plan? Uh, I'm a, I'm, I'm interested to see. It's going to be interesting. I think you got to attack it during practice like you do every other game. And you probably got to oversell it this week to get your team back up, ready to go. Actually call the game and manage the game once you get into it. Well, I guess your success rate will determine that. But Florida, this is a team that's three and seven that Florida State's playing. Uh, that said, what Mike Norvell preaches, you know this, Keith, it, it goes in the cliche bucket or coach speak, right? But it's not about them. It's about us. And that will be his lesson or his message, no matter who. They could be playing the Cowboys this weekend, right? Not about them. It's about us. I just know uh, from a little bit of experience having played and obviously 40-plus years of watching uh, the college game, you know, a, a, a game after a rivalry game that is one that you're heavily favored on, uh, it just poses problems. It tests the mettle of your, of your coaching staff. It tests uh, the, the leadership of your senior class. Um, it's, it's a struggle. And so don't be surprised if Florida State comes out and, and is not as productive early and uh, maybe something happens in the game that, quote, unquote, gets their attention. We'll just have to wait and see. Well, one thing, if they need a little uh, incentive or motivation, the 2013 national champs are going to be honored this weekend. And reports say there's 60-plus of them coming back. So there'll be a little bit of talent there that they might want to perform for. And, and an opportunity for the head coach, if he so desires. I think he has availability if he wanted to travel back to Tallahassee on Saturday. I'm just saying. You're talking about the head coach of the 2013 team, not the current head coach. That is correct. 
Would you like to offer anything now that you opened that? Uh... I got nothing. <laughs> it is, as they say, it is what it is. The only thing I'll say, everybody talks about his contract, and I get why. But last I checked, there's more than Jimbo Fisher's signature on that contract, right? So, I mean, it, it took two, so you don't blame Jimbo for that. Nope. And, and candidly, in all sincerity, uh, I've never been one to blame an athlete that signs a big contract or a head coach that signs a big contract. Uh, you don't begrudge what they and their agents are able to negotiate on their behalf. You may not be happy with it, but you don't begrudge it. Uh, because this this life is short. Uh, coaching career can be short. You get what you can get while you can get it. Uh, unfortunately, it's still a business, still a business. Yeah, so uh, it's hard to believe that in some respects that feels like 50 years ago. In some respects, it feels like last weekend, but it's been 10 years since we watched that team that was so dominant, 2013 and 2014, and now Florida. This year's team is is not at that level, but it's it's getting pretty damn close with the way it's playing, you know. A lot well, of a lot of NFL guys on this current team. To me, I think we talked about this before. I think of the twenty fourteen team, maybe more than the twenty thirteen team, but take either of them. There are a lot more first three round draft picks probably than than what you're looking at on the current team, which is going to have a lot of players drafted overall, and some at the top. But but I don't know how many are going to be first, you know, first or second day compared to the back half of the draft. What was the consecutive win with that group? Was it twenty six or twenty seven? It was 29. 29, 29. And this group, obviously, you know, they're going to max out at 18, 19, or 20 if they were to run the, the gambit. Um, and then a number of kids are leaving, not the least of which is one Jordan Travis. Um, but that's another comparison, uh, you know, that uh, that we do make in today's world, consecutive wins. So that, that group coming back to be uh, recognized in 2013 and then those that carried over into 14. Uh, that was a very special group. There's no question. Well, this year's group, Keith, I mean, they may max out personally, but they could carry that streak over to next year and win. You know, none of us would complain if they wanted we to We would do not that. complain at all, would we? Not at all. <laughs> 6.30 kick for that game. By the way, 7 o'clock kick in Gainesville the following week. going to be on ESPN. And good that it's going to be on ESPN and you're going to get a good window and you'll do a big number there. I personally would have preferred earlier in the day there. The, uh, the home team, as we've talked about, gets a little bit more of an edge if they're the uh, the home team playing at night. Not that Florida State can't win, but uh, I would have taken 3.30 personally for that one. Uh, I, I would have taken noon. <laughs> yeah. Let's, well, let's eight, start eight, earlier. 8 a.m. was not an option, but if we could have played not. that one, it'd be 6 a.m. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I hear you. All right, we'll get it uh, back to this week's game, and uh, we'll talk about the college football playoff rankings. Uh, I'm sure you've heard by now, but Florida State's still in the top four. But uh, we'll break that down a little bit with uh, Kurt Weiler, our Osceola insider, and we'll do that right before we step aside. Come come uh, right back with us here on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Back to Front Row Knowles, Tom Block, Keith Jones, as we open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Let me say hello to our Osceola insider, Kurt Weiler. Kurt, appreciate you joining us as always. And I swear that 
I know it's a waste of time to have these discussions, Kurt. But every week when I watch these playoff rankings, I'm still on the edge of my seat seeing if they drop Florida State, did they leave them in the top four? Does it really mean anything? Because next week they could flip-flop them. But for whatever it's worth, for another week, FSU is still in the top four. What say you? I, I say that's where they should be. I think, I mean, if, if, if to me, if Georgia, Michigan, or Ohio State, Washington, and Florida State all went out, I think Washington may eventually jump Florida State. They got Oregon State this weekend, which is what, ranked 11th, I think. And then they're going to have Oregon in the conference championship game. So I, I think you can make the case if they win all those, they may deserve to jump Florida State, and Florida State may land at four even if they win out. But uh, no, I, I don't think Washington's there yet because they've, I think, frankly, I think they've messed around a little more. They, I mean, barely beat a not very good Arizona State team. They struggled with a not very good Stanford team. I mean, the, the one game Florida State really struggled with, uh, Boston College, I mean, that's not the nearly as bad a team as we thought they were. We keep saying, Tom and I do, we're scared to death about that SEC championship game. If it ends up being Georgia and Alabama, and Alabama's on a roll, and maybe Alabama squeaks by 31-30. What do you do with that becomes the overall question. I think Georgia would be out. I just can't fathom a 13-0 Power 5 Conference champion not making – why do we play the games if if they don't mean a thing? Is is kind of – well, especially, I mean, it's not like Florida State played Michigan's non-conference schedule. They, they You know, they played Ellis – you they're playing at florida you know that's two sec teams right there so i i i just can't i i can't even begin to entertain that possibility because i mean i it's funny we talked about it we did our live show we do a live show on the osceola youtube every week when the rankings come out and i kind of said uh i don't expect it to happen i wouldn't want to see that happen obviously i mean that would it would be really tough but that uh we don't see mike norvell scorched earth very often we would see a scorched earth mike norvell in that situation (laughs) Well, my problem is, how do you keep a team that was number one the entire yeah. season and loses to a number six or a number seven ranked team by one point? How do you drop them from one to five? That becomes the conundrum. I mean, I think for them to be left out, Washington would have to win out. Like, I think the one loss Georgia gets in over one loss Washington or one loss Oregon. Like, if they both Agreed. have a loss, you know, Agreed. so Agreed. I think it's kind of still a lot that has to happen in these last few weeks for that to play out. It would be it would be tough. I mean, Kirby Smart would not be happy about that. But if if Washington's undefeated, if Florida State's undefeated, if Alabama beat them, and if Ohio State Michigan's undefeated, that's four. And I can't see how it can't be those four. I was just saying to Keith, Kurt, that I love the way that can throw out that Florida State doesn't deserve a lot of credit for beating LSU, who's a three-loss team. And ten seconds later, they can talk about how Al- how good Alabama looked because did you see what they did to LSU two weeks ago? At home, yeah, at home. It just drives me crazy the way we argue out of both sides of our mouth on this. Hopefully, hopefully you're right, and what you're saying is a hundred percent right. There, there should not be if you go unbeaten and win your conference championship, Washington, Florida State whoever comes out of the Big Ten. I don't care if Alabama beats Georgia 250 to nothing. Those other teams should be in ahead of Alabama. Now, the Alabama thing in that scenario would come down to a debate with Texas. And, ooh, imagine being a Longhorn fan, knowing you went in to Tuscaloosa and won that game if you wind up fifth in that scenario. I mean, there would be some scorched earth there for sure. 
It's tough, though, but I would probably lean Alabama. And as unfair as this is, I would say the Alabama team we've seen lately is not the Alabama team they beat. I mean, they they are a different team since that USF game. And when Texas beat them in week two. It, it does, and that goes into the body of work versus what are you seeing lately and how when you say Alabama lately, you're talking about the last six or seven weeks, but is that yep. what counts as lately? Or if Florida State wins 70 to nothing this week and wins in Gainesville, all of a sudden we're saying they're the hottest team out there, you know? I mean, what? how, how far does the recency bias go back? Well, Texas also kind of hasn't helped their case in that situation where, like, they've kind of been playing around the last few weeks like Washington was for a little while there. I mean, they, I think a few weeks in a row, built leads and then really let them get to one-score games and had to kind of sweat out wins against not great teams. They did that, I think, at TCU last week. Well, Kurt, as, uh, as FSU gets ready for North Alabama, it's going to take a complete and total meltdown and an absolute chaos for FSU to drop that ball game. So let's uh, concentrate on something we can actually predict and know real well. Recruiting. That's something we can bank on, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Nor, uh, just when you think you can bank on it, weird things happen. But, yes, I mean, it's, you can bank on there being a lot of buzz this time of year. Well, how has Florida State had a huge weekend last weekend, Kurt? I guess the question is, and uh, I'm asking you to be a soothsayer. We're still a month away from signing day, right? What is this? Is this show airs? It's November 15th, and the signing day is probably the 18th of December or something like that. I haven't looked at the calendar. But FSU moves up to number three, I think, in the rankings. Florida is seeing some commits uh, change their mind. And Florida, frankly, is going to lose to Missouri this week, and Florida State should beat them. So there's probably more recruits that are going to get away from, from the Gators. Story on the recruiting front, though, is the Ohio State commitment in Jeremiah Smith, who was at FSU last weekend and is going to make his last official visit just before Saturday to FSU. It seems like it's the ones who suddenly blowing to Tallahassee and not Columbus on that one. What do you think? It'll be interesting. I mean, the fact that Florida State gets the last visit is certainly a a, a big deal. I mean, that'll be the last face to face anything. Not on the phone, not texting, not FaceTime, not phone call, any of that. I mean, the last face-to-face normally does mean something. And, I mean, how often he's come and how, I mean, it's it, – I wasn't interviewing him, but I went back and I was doing post-game coverage with Nick out there. I went back and watched the video. And it is funny at one point how he – because he's remained committed to Ohio State through all this. He, I think, at one point said, like – he got asked about Ohio state and like how they're pretty successful with receivers. And he's like, yeah, that's definitely something that, uh, that, that I think would be great for me if I go there. And he, then he caught himself and said, no, when I go there. And he he had that, like, it's, you know, and that's like a, a little, like, is that a Freudian slip? Is that, what is that? I mean, all the Florida schools and Georgia have really been pushing hard to try and make him reconsider his decision. He's been committed for a long time and he's, he's from time to time doubled down on that commitment to Ohio state. And yet he keeps taking visits. And he kind of talked about coming into the year, especially with the Florida schools, wanting to see the results, wanting to see what those offenses looked like. And I think it feels like, I mean, if you're looking at those three offenses between Florida State, Florida, and Miami, Florida State is head and shoulders above. They have a Keon Coleman example they can point to of this is the type of player you can be, but you're even faster, I think, than Keon is. And I mean, he's I think number one or number two overall recruit in the class. I mean, he is at that like a program-changing type of player. and. Uh, They've they've played this one extremely well. Now we have to see if they can pull off what I think 
no one thought really there was much of a chance of pulling off uh, a few months ago. He's He's been pretty locked and, and talked about as a locked despite all the visits through all of this. Kurt, what happened to the narrative that Norvell and his staff can't recruit at the high school level? They can only they can only access talent through the portal. Man, that narrative has yeah, changed, has it not? That's been dying for a while. I mean, that people are still trying to cling on to that for dear life because I don't think people want to reckon with uh, what Mike Norvell could do. I mean, if it's if it's portal and high school recruiting at a high level going forward, I mean, that's a big thing for Mike and really his staff. When you look at who he brought in when they got here in December 2019. Outside of Odell Hagens and Ron Dugans, who they retained from the previous staff, there weren't many Florida ties. That's something that they had to build up. I mean, everybody recruits Florida somewhat, but you recruit Florida differently when you are the head coach at Florida State than when you're the head coach at Memphis or the offensive coordinator at Arizona State or, or Pitt. And uh, the COVID pandemic was a major hindrance to being able to do that. I mean, you're having to do stuff over the phone. There was no face-to-face, which I think is a lot for building those connections, not only with with players in the state, but coaches in the state, which is a big part of that. I mean, you want to have those relationships with those guys. And I think it, it's taken time, and it took longer than, than I'm sure a lot of people thought it would because in-person recruiting was shut down for over a year. But, uh, it, yeah, I mean, it is he's showing clearly now, I think, whether he finishes at an elite level or because like the class is already pretty assembled and it is ranked third, even if he doesn't flip Jeremiah Smith, maybe get LJ McCray, he's committed to Florida to reconsider his his decision. Uh, Cam Coleman from Texas A&M. I mean, there's some pieces you could add, but even if you doesn't, I think he's shown enough in this class that he can be that type of high school recruiter. It's not pure portal. That was just what he needed to do to rebuild this program. You never get all of them, but if they did get some combination of the names you just mentioned, that would that take them to two? I guess if you pull a five-star from Ohio State and he lands in your lap, that probably helps moving from three to two. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it, it, it's funny. Uh, I, I'll shout out uh, Manny Navarro, covers Miami. On an athletic podcast months ago, he he shot he uh, made a pretty bold prediction. He thought Florida State would end up number one in this cycle. And the other people kind of thought he was crazy. And this was, and it doesn't look crazy now where they are. And uh, I don't think they'll, they could get to one weird things would have to happen. Georgia may have to lose some, or you may have to kind of hit on all those guys or be close, close at a, at a crazy level. But yeah, I think uh, it, it feels like I haven't done the math, but I think if they, if you take a five-star from Ohio state and add them to Florida state, it does feel like those at the very least would flip. Well, the biggest takeaway is, regardless if you're if you're in the top five, that's recruiting at a different level than where Florida State's been the last few years, which has been more around what eighteen to twenty or something like that. Maybe they were a little higher last year, but uh, it's a huge jump. We'll, we'll have plenty of time to dissect the portal, but 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 off the hand, offhand, as long as we're talking about this, how many guys do you think they're going to grab in the portal, Kurt? I mean, it feels to me like I mean it's not going to be as many as it was. But based on what's leaving, it, it feels like they could still use a D-tackle, a D-end, a linebacker, a cornerback, and a receiver maybe. Maybe not a receiver if you end up getting Jeremiah Smith and the other guys you got coming in. You don't want to scare them off. But I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think a lot of that hinges on how many guys leave, who you can maybe – I mean, do you need a defensive tackle if you can talk both Josh Farmer and Daryl Jackson into coming back? I mean, some of it hinges on on those conversations where those guys are both third-year guys and, and I think have another year of leverage even. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I, I, to me, I think, and I'm not even sure on offensive line, honestly. I think some of that depends on on what they bring back. I think the portal, you, you address the 
the trenches in the portal every year to me. I think you add a few pieces in the trenches every year, just out of kind of just refreshing. But yeah, I mean, I think that the case can be made with a lot of what they're going to be losing. I mean, they're not going to magically become like the youngest team in FBS again, like they were a few years ago, but you could use some veteran experience. Yeah. Especially probably on that defense. I would say defensive line linebacker. I'm, I, I, I would think you probably, hopefully you can get DJ Lundy back, but you are going to lose Tatum Mathune and Kalen Deloach who, who play a lot of reps and are, I think important players for you. And in the secondary, yeah, you're losing. I mean, Akeem Dent, we'll see about Fentrell Cypress. We'll see about Renardo Green. I think those are those are definitely places. I think the wild card is, what do you do at quarterback? Do you ride with what you have? Do you hope you keep everybody and just let that play out? Or do you bring in somebody and 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 maybe bet on someone else over Tate Rodemaker to kind of bridge the gap to the Brock Glenn or Luke Cromanhawk or A.J. Duffy future? Well, that's for uh... – December or, or maybe even after December, we may be too busy talking about a playoff matchup in New Orleans or Pasadena for the month of uh, December. Let, let's take a break. I want to play the start or sit game uh, when we come back with uh, Kurt Weiler. Stay with us here on Front Row Knowles. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. All right, Kurt Weiler uh, remains on the Earl Bacon Agency hotline uh, with Keith and I. And uh, Kurt, you got North Alabama this week. Said it's been a good week of practice, and and I will say, I mean, we're only two years removed from Jacksonville State. You got to treat every opponent with respect. You got to take them seriously. You got to do all that. So I don't think you can just go to the bottom names on the flip card and say you guys are starting. But I do think the guys that have been nicked up are are apt to sit, and maybe a few others. So so here we go. Start start or sit, Keon Coleman. Start. Don't play him nearly as many reps. Start or sit. Maurice Smith. Ooh. Uh, I almost don't want to say sit because I think more, uh, I think Darius Washington is a little banged up too. I think you might be reaching a starting David Stickle, which I'm not, I'm not feeling great about. I, I, I think you hope he can gut it out. Johnny Wilson. I think he's the same as Keon. I think you, 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 you rotate more heavily, but he plays. All right. Uh, well, he's not that he's been nicked up, but what about Trey Benson? Uh, I think you'll distribute the the load a little more heavenly, a, a, a little more evenly, I, I should say. Mike Gravel would not appreciate you playing this game right now. He had his whole talk about how he if they don't if they don't maximize this week, it'll be devastating for them, Tom. All right. Well, I've been warned. I've been warned. I just posted a show this week, so I guess I should change the topic and change the game. Kurt, I mean, uh, Keith, you look like you want to jump in, so fire away. Well, I was just going to change the scenario. Uh, how? Does the offense need to score on the first two possessions or the first three possessions before you start making the changes? What happens if you go three and out, you go 14 yards on five plays and have to punt, you're sitting there at uh, three minutes left in the first quarter and it's still a zero to zero ball game. Does that change who you were going to play and how you were going to play them? That's why I don't think you can sit people out, right? Because, yeah, the, the optics of if you sat Maurice Smith and then all of a sudden Maurice Smith has to come in, and like if he didn't start, and then you have to insert him later in the game because, like, there's there's uh, some messing around going around. I think that's not a great look. And that's why I think, I mean, if a guy can play, I think they'll 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 play this weekend. I just think especially, I mean, with the – not maybe at center, but especially wide receiver, I think you balance it by you have a, a Keon Johnny series, then you have a 
Hakeem Duspan or Kentron Portier or or I mean your depth there's so much better. I mean we saw that in the pit game that uh, they they can survive those guys not playing sixty plays. And and how long do you play Jordan Travis? Given the fact that the voters look at stats and they won't care if FSU goes up twenty one to nothing and Jordan Travis is four or five for sixty two yards and two touchdowns. I mean unless unless you are like not up by like 28 points. I, I, if you're up by 28, I don't think he's playing a lick in the second half. You just can't, there is no reason to do that at this point in the season. I mean, it's not the early season F- FCS game. It's the, I mean, you got Florida next week, then probably Louisville. And then, I mean, maybe a playoff. You got bigger fish. I think the answer is the guys play the first half and you, they play yeah. into the third quarter. I mean, that's what they did against Southern Miss. And then Jarian Jones got the pick six and all the first teamers were out because the game was done. It's for the guys, and I don't, I don't know who's nicked and who's everybody's nicked to some degree. Yeah. If you're if you're nicked because it's late in the season and you're still gonna not feel great next week, kind of what's the difference? But if if legitimately sitting you was gonna make a difference, then maybe you do get sad. But I, I don't know what what the story is on that. I do know it's a, it's a tough situation because uh, you're you're coming off a rivalry win where you invested so much emotionally into that. And, Yes, you have the talent to get past this team, even if, even if you're not at your best. But uh, it's it's a, it's a conundrum for the coaches. I'm sure they're riding them hard this week at practice to keep them focused and dialed in. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I think I think that's I think that's that's. I mean, they ride them hard every week. They 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 try as hard as they can, and they know it's difficult. And and I appreciate that Mike doesn't say all games are the same because he kind of. I mean, he talks about how Florida and Miami are the two games that he mentions every preseason at the start, like the first day of fall camp, and I think the first day of spring camp. But they they the, the practice approach is fairly similar week to week. I think obviously you see weeks where it's different, but I thought it was I thought it was a good practice day. I did not note it did not look like oh they got an FCS team this week or oh they're getting ready for Florida. Well, that consistency is is part of of the mantra uh, that going to work every day. And one of the things that Tom and I have talked about, Kurt, that that uh, is somewhat of a mystery to me. I don't think that this Florida State State team has played. With even in the Miami game, even LSU first game of the season, I still don't think this team has played with the emotion that they're capable of playing with. For some reason, I just think that. What are your What are your thoughts? I mean, I don't think we've seen this team. I, at a certain point, the team is what it is. I think. I mean, I think they would still tell you. I don't think we've played our best game. And and I I, I think at a certain point, you kind of have to change what the ceiling for the best game is, but yeah, no, I mean, I wonder, I wonder if, uh, I don't think that's this week, although obviously there are some emotions that go into this week with, with senior day, but I, I mean, I, I wonder what, what they're banking that for, or if they're trying to, uh, to, to remove it entirely. I mean, there could be a case to be made that, that trying not to play with emotion is a, a wiser choice. Or, or this might be who they are. Yeah. I had this, I had this conversation with somebody on the sideline last week during the game because, uh, at halftime or, or coming out at halftime, I, I didn't, you know, this is not a rah-rah team. No, per se. It's just not who this team is. And the center of the conversation was, I've been around, and this just wasn't me saying this, this is who I was talking to. Well, I've been around here a while, and I've seen plenty of rah-rah teams that uh, were, were, were a lot of bark and not much bite was the premise, right? So, to me, this team is just business-like. I do think it mirrors Norvell's personality, though, Keith, which goes to what you're saying, Kurt, about practice being consistent. Uh, they they treat every day the same, and Norvell is never too high or never too low. 
And so you're, you're, you know, you're boxed in a, a tighter space than going way up and then coming way down and trying to get way back up again. So he's graduated, know. he's graduated from the Leonard Hamilton School of Head Coaching, is what you're saying. I'm just loving seeing Ham smile again this year. We don't have to Isn't get the basketball, fun? but that's Isn't been that nice. fun? Yep, yep. Isn't that fun? Well, to your point, don't ask either one of them about injuries, Keith, right? <laughs> that is correct. Or travel plans. <laughs> or travel plans. Uh, Kurt, what do you think? How do you think this senior class is going to be remembered? It's senior day this weekend. And, of course, Jordan Travis is the headliner on this. But uh, you're talking about a class. I don't have the – obviously, they're in the middle of a huge winning streak. I don't have their overall one-loss record in front of me. But I do know that four years ago when guys like Deloach and Travis and, and there's others uh, – showed up this this was not a very successful program and here they are and they've turned it 180 degrees around this senior class is is really interesting because yeah you you have your you like you said your Kalen Deloaches your Jordan Travis's your Akeem Dents fit, fits in there of guys who bought in who could have left who probably may have considered leaving at times who who wrote it out and have really reaped the benefits of getting to buy in and be a part of this rebuild there are some guys like Fabian Lovett, Jerry and Jones, who weren't weren't already here. They were kind of part of that first offseason for Norvell, but they've now been here for four years and really, I mean, been almost as much a part of the rebuild. And then you've got guys like, I mean, a Braden Fisk and a few other transfers you brought in knowing they're kind of one-year guys. And then they're, I mean, they, in the long, in the big-term picture, they're not as, in, as important maybe. I mean, they weren't a part of the rebuild, but they're really important pieces this year. So no, I mean, Mike, Mike seemed to get a bit emotional Monday talking about this class and how much this group means, because I mean, this is the, a lot of guys who were critical pieces of, of the rebuild in, in various different ways. And a lot of guys that were not five-star, maybe not even four-star. They were, they were because of where Florida state was, they were part of uh, the, 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 the true in the trenches builders. Uh, they didn't come in with the notoriety. They didn't come in with the hype. They achieved because of their work. Uh, and that's a special breed of player in today's world. Even, even a guy like Akeem Dent, who was that five-star recruit, was a quarterback recruit and is now playing safety. He's become a, a pretty high-level safety. I mean, it's, it is a whole bunch of people who who bought into their roles in, in Norvell's climb. Keith, when you played for the last time, your, your senior day at Doke, was that an emotional experience or were you too focused on the fact that you guys were having a good season and you had a big bowl game to come and you weren't really, you couldn't process in the moment. It was your last time in that stadium. I could not process in the moment. It did not hit me until after the game was over until, until I was walking off of dope for the first, for the final time, you know, knowing that I would not be back up there, but prior to the game, it was all about the game. And, and I don't know what today's modern athlete, how they think about that, but that's that's the way it was way back in the day. We had work to do, we had to get it done, and then once it was done, the reality of that's the final time really set in. Under Jimbo, you'll recall that uh, after after EJ's final home senior game, which was the 2012 loss to Florida, Jimbo moved senior day up to the second to last game because – Partially because the guys were too emotional. In defense of EJ, his mom had battled cancer all that year. And so I think it was a little different than just your your normal senior day festivities. But I think for, for a guy like Jordan to bring it back there, a guy who was booed a couple years ago, uh, who now the crowd is chanting his name last week against my, the only quarterback in Florida State history to win three times against Miami. 
whether he makes it to the Heisman ceremony, whether he goes to the playoffs or wins a national title, there's a lot of quarterbacks at FSU and only one of them's won three times against Miami. I mean, I, he sells shirts. I might put that on a shirt, right? Did you did you see the shirt this week? He he made one. The, I heard about it, but yeah. Does it's it, the 305, the, the Miami zip code, but the five's crossed out. So it's just three and oh with the five crossed out. He's got some Very he's nice. got some pretty talented people helping him. He does. He, he has a, a former Florida State walk-on helping him. Joe Hernandez runs uh, Just Win Management, his uh, his marketing type side. He's well selling done. it for $27.20. I don't know what he that's a good question. I wonder. <laughs> well, his his career from where it from where it uh, started. So that's not true. When it started against Boston College, people thought, who in the hell is this guy? But then when he became quarterback, it took a while for him to get confidence and people to to buy in. And 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 now it's just been, I mean, we say it all the time. I, I don't think I've ever seen a player improve as much as he did in, in a college career. Not anybody that comes to mind in football anyway. No, and I think that's part of why, I mean – whether he goes down in the 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 kind of on the rushmore of, of Florida State players, I mean, obviously there are a lot of guys and only four spots on there, but it feels like he is one of the most beloved players, or will go down as one of the most beloved players in Florida State history because of of that. I mean, because of how far he's become, because of the player he was and who he's become, and because I mean he is a big part of taking Florida State from from where they were to to where they are now. I mean, he pulled them out of the dark ages that. You wondered if they were ever going to find their way out or if they were Nebraska-ing themselves. And, and certainly no player is perfect, but uh, in terms of his demeanor, his off-the-field activities, the way he's carried himself in spring ball and, and, uh, and, and in other venues that aren't directly related to games on the field, uh, what's the word? What's the big word? He has comported himself very, very well, and that's endearing to fans also. Yeah, I've got a pretty cool story coming on Jordan this week for Senior Day. Well, uh, our, all of our listeners need to be uh, tuned in. If you're not a member and don't belong to the uh, Osceola, now's a good time to do it, and you can kick it off with reading Kurt Weiler and his uh, overview of one Jordan Travis. Hopefully the article has a better name than he comports himself well, though, Kurt. All right, can we work on that? That was well, actually that, that, what I was leaning towards. That's, I might have to reconsider now. KJ already. Well, that, that 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 will go over well in Wildwood. Try not to market to Wildwood. Market to the bigger picture, the bigger picture. All right. Kurt, we'll let you go on that note. You can go pick out your headline. Thanks as always, sir. Appreciate it, guys. All right, more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, a few minutes to finish up here. Got a five or six minutes to go, KJ, as we as we wrap things up. Any uh ways from our conversations with Kurt which I always enjoy no I mean I think we 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 talked football exclusively but but we do need to kind of maybe uh shift just a hair because we made the comment about uh which is true it's good to see coach Hamilton smiling it's good to see coach Brooke uh back on the hard hard court after her uh, medical procedure uh it's good to see both of those teams continuing to play well uh the ladies um and the soccer team uh, we'll be hosting again on Friday. 
I mean, there's a lot of positives going on, not just football in this entire Florida State athletic family. Uh, and that's that's a place we're getting pretty used to being and, and a place I hope we uh, get comfortable and stay. Yeah, you mentioned soccer. Volleyball's in first place in the ACC. Gabby yep, Reese was yep. in town this past weekend. Uh, basketball team's off to good starts. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good stuff going on for sure. Uh, you know what we haven't talked about at all, Keith? We haven't talked about Michigan. What, what is your opinion on how this is being handled? Is there'll be a hearing later this week for uh, Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines to uh, defend themselves? Well, um, my takeaway is real simple. There are rules. And if you break rules, there should be consequences. And whether the head coach was aware or not aware should have been. So whatever punishment should be directed at the head coach, not at the players. And as that goes, I'm totally comfortable with what the Big Ten has done so far. I know they're requesting an injunction. Uh, and as we're taping and as this show airs on Wednesday, maybe something comes of that. There was not, uh, the, just because of the timing, uh, was not the ability to stay that decision uh, for last week's game. Um, but, you know, when, when you have rules and you break rules, Tommy, there are consequences and there are immediate consequences, not consequences next year, consequences this year. And whether you laugh it off and say that that's a silly rule or why are we even paying attention to it? It doesn't matter. It's the rule. And if you break the rule, there ought to be consequences. Keith old school Jones, ladies and gentlemen, bringing it the way it is. I, I agree with you on that. I don't necessarily agree with what the punishment is though. Do you think, do you think it's an actual punishment since he can coach the team all week? Uh, no, it's more of a of a show. It's it's more it's a for show. Yeah, but it's better than not doing anything. Duh, and uh, it does send a little bit of a message, and uh, that will stick. Uh, I mean, if Michigan were, let's say Michigan were to get into the playoffs, and were to win the national championship, let's just say they did, Harbaugh would have been suspended for six of the games. That's a pretty big asterisk. In fact, that might be a double asterisk. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure Michigan would win it anyway, but I, I hear you. Here's here's what I think, Keith. You, you don't have a limit on how many guys can be on the headsets on the sideline. What is it, like 18 or 14? I, I think, I it's, I think it's 18 that can talk and three more that can listen. Whatever it is, I think the punishment should be that they have to add one more headset and it goes on the opposing sideline of who you're playing for the rest of the year. I mean, that seems to me so to be. You don't, you don't have to steal the signals. You just have to try to understand the signals. We don't know if Michigan got an advantage or not from knowing what play was coming. So we'll just give the play to the opponent and see if they get an advantage or not from knowing what play is coming. That's all I'm saying, Keith. Uh, I hadn't thought about that, Tommy. I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but I'm intrigued with it. That's all I got. Why not? Let's give it a go. All right. Senior day coming up uh, this weekend, Keith. How are you? We've talked about it with Kurt. How are you going to remember this group? I'm going to remember this group for their work ethic. I mean, what, what Coach Norvell uh, insisted and, and was consistent in his message, this group has performed. You, you cannot say that this group didn't put in the effort. If they don't make it, if they're not ultimately successful, 
It'll be for reasons other than their commitment to the program. That's what I'm going to remember. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is a workmanlike uh, group. There's no question. And, uh, you know, we didn't, we gave them love in our, our show on Sunday, but uh, Alex Mastermana, I've talked to a couple times in the last week, and he, he's fantastic to interview. And uh, watching him punt, when have you ever been excited about watching a guy punt? But the way he's been kicking it lately, I mean, it's actually becoming must-see TV. As we discussed, uh, we should have got it on the ground floor of a punting academy and found some way to teach American kids in fifth and sixth grade how to punt like the Aussies instead of just bringing them overseas from uh, Australia uh, and saying, all right, this is what American football looks like, and here's where how you put your jersey on. I don't know if it would have worked, though, because, uh, you know, what Alex points out, he said, well, us kicking a ball in Australia is like throwing a baseball here if you grow up in the States, right? Like you just, if you're into sports, you roll out of bed, that's what you're doing, that's what they do down there. And that's why they're also good at it. But uh, he's well, that's why I'm is. saying we got to start early on training them. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'll let you handle that. You punted in high school, didn't you? Uh, only because no one else would. <laughs> I don't mean to sell no. you short for our listeners' sake. You were the quarterback, but you also punted. Let me let me. I, no, I, I, I won't even call myself a punter. I was a kicker. Were, were you drop kicking? Was it that long ago? It wasn't that far. It wasn't that long ago. But I'll just say we went for it a lot on fourth down. Yeah. Fourth and 12. Oh, Jones is punting. No, we're going for it. See, who are you to question Norvell's fourth down math? Huh, KJ? Maybe, maybe subconsciously that's why I get so upset about it. <laughs> All right. We're out of time, folks. Join the game this weekend. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles. <laughs>